0: Deal at center, as Michael lifted a stick to free puck to Petrangelo in his own zone. Stretch pass. Michael is in with a cutter. Third man, Martinez scores.
1: Alex Martinez, 3 1 Golden Knights.
2: Nobody is ever satisfied with one, so we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights
0: Insider Show. Then it looking cross-eyed. Stone intercepts. This time he sends it down in a walk-wall and go into the goal. It's a hat-trick. Mark Stone, the captain, makes it 8-3 Golden Knights with six minutes to go
2: in the third period. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com, here is Darren Millard and Ryan
0: Wallace. Let's get going. Game 7, Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. Opportunity to add to the best start in franchise history and extend the best kickoff to a season by a Stanley Cup champion. Those two are going hand in hand. The record for most wins to kick off a campaign in the National Hockey League is 10 games held by a couple of teams. So that is coming within sight as Vegas puts points in the bank and just a uh, takes care of that uh, rainy day fund, if you want to call it that, uh, which they needed last year in Mm -hmm. December and January and uh, going into the All-Star break. They used that, and then they found their stride. So this is huge right now compared to uh, the the likes of the Edmonton Oilers or the Washington Capitals right now. uh, We've got uh, recent contenders, recent Stanley Cup champions, and uh, they are struggling out of the gate, and Vegas is being able to take care of business Right away, Darren Millard in Studio 31. It's uh, Ryan Wallace over in Section 104, T-Mobile Arena. His pregame show for the Vegas Golden Knights coming up in just under an hour, as uh, he sets you up uh, in a little more detail. Uh, conversations with Dave Gosher on the way, uh, as well as uh, interview with uh, Bruce Cassidy. But we'll also hear from Bruce Cassidy and his comments going into tonight's game uh, from his media availability in just a little bit. As They will face a team that is going to be a a work in progress in the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Certainly a team that's in in a big rebuilding stage. Uh, They changed a lot of the core pillars of their organization. Uh, Interestingly enough, the coach stays, and uh, they... Keith Jones loves uh, John Tortorella, the yeah. new president of hockey operations uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, uh, buddy Keith Jones, he loves what Tortorella can do and uh, and how he can get the most out of the guys. But uh, this this forward core has gone through some big changes. The defensive unit uh, has some names that you, quite honestly, will not recognize <laughs> unless you are as hardcore of a hockey fan uh, in in the world. Uh, and but they still have their their. Future goaltender, uh, goaltender that they they want to build around in, in Carter Hart. So uh, this this is going to be one of those not trap games, but a, a game that uh, that you'll as as a National Hockey League fan of the Vegas Golden Knights will will learn a little bit more uh, about a team as you go along tonight, rather than like a Dallas or a, a Winnipeg where you're so familiar.
3: Yeah, I I think the, the the point on the defensive side of things is is well taken and. You know, the other thing that I'll highlight with the Philadelphia Flyers is that you've got uh, Sean Couturier back in the fold, Cam Atkinson back in the fold, and, and two players last year that were injured, and, and certainly uh, a, a big piece of, of, I think, why the Philadelphia Flyers right now are 3-1-1 one, and one on the year. Couturier, is, and I know how much you hate the Selkie, Darren, but, you know, Couturier is a perennial Selkie guy when he's healthy, and I think having him back in the lineup, especially under a John Tortorella coach team, is, is one thing that uh, is is positive for the Philadelphia Flyers early on in the season. And then, you know, Cam Atkinson, three goals in five games. I think that, again, you look at uh, some of those players that have been around for a while now who, who you know, needed to kind of get healthy and get back into the fold. That's uh, that's important for Philadelphia in this game.
0: But they have other names that you're not familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Noah Cates, Bobby Brink, and you've got... Uh, Igor Zamula. Igor uh, Zamula. That's a phenomenal name. Camille Andre. Like, there's, there's just guys that, uh, that that you're not. They have to do one of those uh, Google searches, deep dives, and, <laughs> and, and, and they're all players. Uh, yeah, and, and they've got. Uh, um, uh, I'm thinking of uh, uh, Zamula, uh, played in the in the Canadian Hockey League, and uh, has has forged himself a career. It's it's great. He's just not what uh, Ivan Provorov was uh, sure. with, with the Philadelphia Flyers last year, who, who was your first power play guy and was able to, to jump out. There. Now, Travis Sanheim, uh, just to watch, watch him. There's no player in the league that will score fewer goals but will impress you more with the goals that he does score. <laughs> Every goal that Travis Sanheim scores yeah. is all world. And then you look and go, he's got seven. Yeah. How does, how does he only have seven? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the the full year. How, how is that possible? I'm, I'm biased. Travis is from the same town that I'm uh, that I'm from, and uh, and I followed his career. But boy, oh boy, he's got the ability to just uh, to. Go all world uh, with like like uh, what uh, what we see from Shea Theodore now Shea Theodore puts uh, up uh, much larger totals, mm-hmm. but uh, but you always uh, you always find yourself looking at Sandheim going he did that and he <laughs> only has that total. How is that even possible? And I can't imagine what he does uh, during practice. But Owen Tippett is, is a big part uh, of this team, acquired from the Florida Panthers uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, that uh, was, it was a big deal when it went down as the Philadelphia Flyers uh, were, were able to move off Claude Giroux. Uh, they also uh, uh, have a couple of players that they're working in and out of the lineup right now that you might see some some movement uh, and some, some trade uh, possibilities from in the next little bit as torts goes through his usual his usual uh, finessing of his roster yeah. ie he, he pushes buttons and he's a, he's a, he's not old school because he can't be old old school but he's certainly a guy that leans on on his ways
3: yeah and and you know I, I think that there's a degree of you know John Tortorella things are going well right now, right? So, like, you're not going to change what is going well for you in this moment. Now, you know, Morgan Frost, I think, is an interesting player, and I think that's probably who you're alluding to. And, yeah. and you know, towards talked about not just putting Morgan Frost into the lineup in a role that isn't going to benefit his skill set, and I think that that's you know Tortorella understanding the, the the player and trying to put them in a position to succeed. You no, know, he's a top same, six guy. But at the same time, like you know, you're you're also not going to mess with a lineup that's winning right now. And and I think as as I've gotten older and as I've you know watched John Tortorella over the years, I, I think that you're 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 not putting the player in a situation where they're going to be in, in in a in a disadvantageous position. And I think that that's respectful on Tortorella's part, but you want Morgan Frost to be able to play. There just isn't room for him right now in the top 6. Have you met John Tortorella? I've I've had a couple of interactions with him, but I have not been able to sit down for any extended period of time now.
0: So where where did you cross paths with him?
3: Did a you... couple of scrums here and there. Just Okay. In, 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 real quick questions. Nothing nothing major.
0: He he's a fun guy. I, I love my uh, conversations with John. It's fine. And Thanks for asking, though. Yeah, they they practiced at City National Arena yesterday. Actually, I uh, didn't get a chance to go down and uh, and catch up with them after. But it was like I was tracking, out, of wanting to see if it was going to fit in, mm-hmm. into the timeline. And I'm disappointed that I I didn't because he's East Coast uh, and we're obviously out here in the Western Conference. But uh, but he is uh, so different than what you will would expect mm-hmm. from watching him on the bench it is it is night and day from uh, from him and and he will like i will ask him a co- question in a press conference and he will not give me an ounce of information <laughs> on it yeah to, to the point where it's brisk or curt or uh standoffish sure uh, it can be that and we, I remember this vividly. We were doing a game in, in, in Columbus. And, uh, and then after the press conference was over, uh, I was walking out of the room, and I heard my name. I turned around, and it's Torx. And he's coming over. He's like, hey, "How how are you?" Sorry, I, I I can't say anything about that. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to answer it. Uh, what's going on? How are things? Uh, what's happening over here? Like, he, he's he's awesome. And and it's like that almost every time that I run into John, mm-hmm. like, he he's the first guy to come over and shake your hand. And uh, I I think that uh, it'll it'll go down in history as one of the largest misconceptions uh, about a specific player or coach uh, from the real him to the to the. Him that uh, that you see uh, work work the bench. If if you get a chance, uh, you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a, the podcast last week with Brian Boyle, and I don't know that I mentioned this part. Of it. I think we we talk about. It. I, I mentioned the the podcast all the time, but one of the areas that we got into, and this was not by design at all, uh, because we were more talking about Pierre Laviolette taking over the New York Rangers, and Boyle played for Lavi. And so I was leaning on some of the insight because Boyle's New Yorker, he does, does a, a, a podcast uh, revolving around the New York Rangers with, with the New York Post, which uh, Larry Brooks is a part of. So we were talking about Pierre Laviolette, when that, and we're, we're discussing different uh, stories or avenues, and he's a big Peter Laviolette fan, mm-hmm. uh, thinks that he's one of the, the great motivators uh, behind the bench in the National Hockey League, which... Uh, I, I knew, know that 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 Pete can be a player's coach at times. Uh, he can certainly uh, curry favor with uh, with the players, mm-hmm. uh, but he's intense and and he can he can give you a, a game face like nobody else that would rival anybody that uh, that we've seen in the league. But hearing him talk about Lavillant was really interesting, and it morphed into Torts because he played for for John as well. And Brian Boyle, on that episode last week, which yeah. is available anywhere, tells some of the great Tortorella stories from playing for him, from video sessions, from on the bench and what you do, and, and how Torts would would handle him uh, during uh, moments of uh, challenging time uh, during the course of a season or a, um, a team meeting and uh, or uh, just one-on-one. And it, it is fully fascinating. And one of the great ones involved Larry Brooks. Hmm. And you, you guys are familiar <laughs> with Larry, the New yep. York Post Hall of Fame uh, reporter. Yep. And and Torts, they had, when Torts was the coach of the New York Rangers, had a hate-hate uh, relationship. I don't think there was much love in that. Uh, and, and Brooks, he's not given an inch. And John Tortorella's not giving an inch. And it was a, it was a bad combination. And at times it made it impossible for everybody else to work because you're trying to get your quotes from the coach and Brooksy asks the question and then the whole thing goes sideways and you end up not getting anything out of it uh, that you need. So it, it, it caused actually some friction for everybody mm-hmm. in, in the media, not just between Larry and John. But uh, Boyle does talk about how they, the players would handle that and how they would find ways to make sure that they were then earshot of any time that Tortorella and Larry Brooks uh, would have a conversation, <laughs> uh, so that's the, the public Tortorella. Yeah. The 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 private and listen to the stories because it's it's funny. These these are National Hockey League players who mm-hmm. we have uh, the uh, uh, most amazing respect for, and we think that they're wiser beyond their years because uh, we just look at them as uh, professional athletes different than we do regular people. Uh, our neighbors are are our family, and uh, these the, they turn into seven year old kids. When when Tortorella and <laughs> and uh, and Larry Brooks would go at it, like literally, they would turn into ten year old children. That's uh, amazing. Trying to climb over each other to to get the the best vantage point. So uh, there's a, a selfless uh, uh, plug, uh, selfish plug uh, for for the Chirp uh, podcast. But Torts is in the building tonight against Bruce Cassidy, uh, and it's two. I like this. It's not Dean Evason and, and Bruce Cassidy for great reactions, Mm -hmm. but it's right there with two very successful coaches, longtime coaches who have had, uh, uh, now success in in multiple places with Cassidy in Boston, and uh, I know he's coaching in, in Washington as well. But uh, uh, Stanley Cup final in Boston, now a championship in Philadelphia, and Torts has been uh, in, in numerous stops uh, uh, in and around uh, the National Hockey League. Uh, two of, of the more brilliant minds in the National Hockey League.
3: Yeah, I I love I love John Tortorella. I'm not, I, you know, I I it, you've you've mentioned this a couple of times that. There's another layer. There's there's quite a few different layers to John Tortorella. And, you know, again, he, he has success everywhere he goes, and I think that that's the big thing, right? Like when you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, they were an organization that couldn't, you know, number one, couldn't make the playoffs. Number two, when they got there, they didn't do much of anything, and John Tortorella was able to get them over that hump more often than not. And I think for, for John, it's just a matter of building in the right habits, and and he maximizes Whatever he has in terms of a roster, he gets teams to buy in and gets players to buy in uh, to working hard, and I, I think that there's uh, there's certainly something to that, and you know I I respect that I, I really do. So I'm interested in tonight's game. I'm interested uh, in the post game press conferences, depending on how the game goes, uh, because it's always fun with John Tortorella. Well, it, it's they're both
0: interesting, right? Like yeah. Bruce Cassidy breaks down the game like no other coach in the National yep. Hockey League. Yep, and I, I'm sure Bruce can get bristly. Uh, if things go in a different direction for an extended period of time, we, haven't, we haven't, just haven't seen that here uh, because things have been pretty good uh, through the, the first year and, and a little bit. But, uh, but he just explains the game on such a level that brings media and the uh, casual fan into the same room, and yeah. you're, you're just eating out of his hand by, by an education uh, point of view and also getting feedback on the game. Torts is, is more blunt. Like mm-hmm. he, he will do, he will do one question walk-offs yeah, and has on, on numerous times and a, he'll just, uh, he doesn't, uh, feel the need to, uh, be that, uh, that person that, uh, is all flowery or, or, uh, educational or, um, responsible to the media. Uh, he just, he, he, he's not that, that person now. Should be in a good mood. He certainly was at practice yesterday talking to the players uh, at the end that escaped at 3 1 and 1. Uh, the Golden Knights, though, at, at 6 and 0 uh, are expected to start Logan Thompson. He was the first guy off the ice tonight. So uh, Logan Thompson mm-hmm. will go back in. For his third start in in Game Seven, so that balance that we talked about, I know that there's been people, uh, and that's what we're at right now. There's there's not a lot to, to grab onto from any type of sensational storylines that uh, are really gonna be hot button topics. There there are no hot takes with this team right now, <laughs> but uh, but the balance of the goaltending is uh, isn't fifty fifty, but it's closer to fifty five forty five with Logan Thompson going in.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, for Logan, I think he's been fantastic in every single game that he's played, right? Like, certainly you go back to the game in Chicago and, and or I'm sorry, the game in Winnipeg and, and how good Logan Thompson was in that start Um, you you certainly look at that as being one of those games where if Logan wasn't dialed in and and playing as well as he was, maybe it's a different outcome for the Golden Knights. We're not talking about a 6-0 start to the season. Now, that all being said, um, I think Logan just relishes every opportunity that he's going to get. The goaltending has been fantastic. Both Aiden and Logan have been uh, really good to start the year. And and you're right, I think that there's going to be certain stretches where, you know, Aiden will get a couple of starts in a row, and I think that as, as as Logan continues to play well, you might see certain stretches where Logan gets a couple of games in a row. But the the beautiful the beautiful thing about this for the Golden Knights is, you've got two goaltenders that you trust and two goaltenders that you think can get the job done for you, and you can balance it out uh, really well early on in the season and hopefully through, throughout the the entire eighty-two. This is game seven,
0: yep, it will end up uh, being with Logan starting tonight, uh, four games for Aiden Hill and three for Logan Thompson. You play three games and four nights this weekend. Mm -hmm. The anticipation from my point of view would be that Aiden Hill would go on Friday and would go Monday with the uh, back-to-back games, uh, the Saturday uh, evening game in Los Angeles. Uh, You wouldn't play Aiden Hill on on back-to-back nights, so Logan Thompson would get that. So uh, you get into... uh, 10 games and you're six for Aiden Hill and four for Logan Thompson, if everything shakes down the way we we see it. So that's that's pretty close to what uh, what everybody was forecasting and what uh, Bruce Cassidy and uh, goaltending coach Sean Burke uh, met about and were planning.
3: Mm-hmm yeah it, it certainly is and I think that that kind of you know shows out for the golden Knights early on as you, you go through 10 games if if you're getting six six and four split or something thereabouts I, I think that's ideal for the golden Knights for Aiden Hill and, and for Logan Thompson but you know as we've talked about before like those things can change as you go on but as long as both guys are performing and you're getting wins, there's no real reason to come off of that.
0: Bruce Cassidy spoke earlier today uh, about this uh, contest against the Philadelphia Flyers. He was asked about uh, tonight's opponent, was also questioned uh, regarding Alex Petrangelo, uh, who uh, was on the ice in a regular colored sweater today. So that's progress just from yesterday uh, as uh, Alex Petrangelo works his way back in. Uh, Let's uh, listen in to what Bruce had to say prior to Game 7 for the Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously a
1: little bit of a
0: later start for you guys. But you kind of think about having all the
1: NHL teams play on one day. Well, I think it's great the way they've promoted it. Um, I imagine there'll be some sort of live look into all the games as they're going on and on ESPN. So I think that's kind of cool. I wish they'd pushed ours back to or up until seven, like we're used to playing. But at the end of the day, um, it is what it is. You play in the playoffs later, we're not typically an eight o'clock team, so um, easier adjustment for us than I think it is for Philly, to be honest with you. So in that regard. Um, our guys are pretty good about that.
0: Yesterday, the NHL put out a lot of the um, player tracking, pump tracking metrics for the public to see it. We're all digging through the numbers. and wondering, is there a stat that you keep an eye on closer than others when it comes to like, the, the skating and the shoot play?
1: No, I mean, I haven't looked at all of it. Like, I just notice it in passing when it's brought up. Those to me, whoever, you know, you can tell in practice, like, you know, Nick Hag is a hard shot. Right, we know that um, he's a big man, lots of force, Jack. Some guys might surprise you, I guess, a little bit that you don't think. But same with the skating. But I, you know, we know the guys with pace in our team. So, but I think they're good. They're good to have out there. Um, I think I saw one where Paul Cotter was our fastest guy. Paul's a good skater. People might not know that about him. We know he can really cover ice, um, just like Nick's shot. You know, we know it's hard. Um, how do you use that to best your advantage, Paul? And how do you get your shot off more in fine lanes, Nick? That's how I thats how I look at it as a coach all the time, no matter how hard you shoot it. So, But I think it's good for fan base to know, um, just people in general. To to a jersey, but today. No, he's not in. Um, but it's great to see him progressing. He's in with the group, which means he's, you know, back into the contact part of things. Uh, well, all of it, to be honest with you. but. Uh, not tonight, so hopefully Friday's a, an opportunity for him, but probably give, I'll give you an idea on Thursday how that goes. Does Coach's message have to change at all the win streak goes on? Pardon me? As the win streak goes on, does Coach's message have to change at all? Um, no, mine doesn't. I, I think for us it's we're trying to build our game, Ashley, and it's game seven, right? So we've got a long way to go to where we want it to be. Um, probably like every team in the league right you're going through your early phase of the year it's nice to accumulate wins you don't want to be chasing it that's the good news when you're winning Um, for us i also feel like in streaks on both sides when you're winning Towards the end of your winning streak, when it does end, you can probably look back in the two games or one or whatever, one and a half before that, where you haven't played as well, but you got a timely save or goal, right? Same with the losing streak, I find. You could lose five in a row. That fifth and fourth game, you probably play better than the other team, but you don't get the bounces. So are we going through a little bit of that right now? I think in Chicago the other day, whoever saw the game, we were up and down, uneven, and then the third period we took over. So that's a great sign that we know when to play winning hockey, how to play winning hockey, but it's not a way to survive every every game. So that's my message a little bit now is like, let's not fall in love with, you know, our win streak. Let's get back to building our game and, you know, the results will take care of itself. So I guess that would be my message now. Um, so I guess it depends where you are in your win streak to be the answer to the question. Hear a lot, it There's no easy nights for in, in the league, especially for defending champ. Have you felt that way? The teams coming at you through six games? Um Yeah, like I said, I don't think we've outclassed, you know, gone out and just been way better from start to finish. Uh, San Jose. If you look back at that game, it was their home opener. It was a stretch in the second late where we, we capitalized in a couple of plays. Otherwise, you know, Winnipeg, we were good, and then they, you know, they, then we weren't at the start of the third. Chicago the other day didn't start on time, really. Um, you know, bad line change, mismanage a puck. You know, now it's in our net, we're chasing it. But we found it in the third. So um, I think we are going to get teams best for the most part i don't know how long that'll go on i think that what happens as the year goes on it's whoever's at the top right like if, it, if philadelphia stays hot and they're at the top of the metro in three months everyone will be you know saying well we got to you know it's philly so whoever it happens to be now we're the defending champs and we're off to a good start so yes it's a bit of a double whammy for us that so that would be the expectation and i i don't mind that gauche at all i mean you want that that's how you get better you play when you're challenged, usually um, either respond or you don't. And ours is a type of team that will respond, so it should get the best out of us. So, you know, that's that's fine not to expect any easy nights. <clears throat> where, where have you seen the biggest growth from King Colasar from when you got here to now? Well, I think he's just a little more consistent in what uh, he needs to bring every night. Um, he's a physical player. I saw it earlier in the year. He went... Had the backs of his teammates when, on certain things, and there was no doubt about it. He was in there. I think his defensive play is is better. I think he's taken it to heart that he's out there against good lines every night. Um, and in order to do that, you gotta you gotta have details in your game. So I think he's he's embraced those details so he can get more minutes. Um, I think offensively, still probably the same, uh, contributing in the cycle of those guys. That's where that line. We'd like to get them, uh, you know, find ways to create a little more offense for them. I think, I'd say that's the next thing for that line. How do we get more offense out of their puck possession? So, we've been working on that, and he'd be a part of that. You know, we get his numbers up because he's got a good shot. He's got good hands. We've seen it. Um, how do we get him to use those more efficiently in offensive situations? What do you see,
0: Flyers?
1: Uh, working team. Um, I think they're pretty straightforward in their approach that they're going to try to win the slot battle, right? I think they've defended very well. They're not going to give you a lot off the rush because that's the easiest way to score goals. So they're going to manage pucks, play behind you. I think they've tried to have a funnel mentality in terms of uh, just get pucks in the net, get second chances. Um, That's what I've seen on them so far. And they've, typical torch team, I think they're going to be, what you see is what you get. They're going to work hard and they're going to play a straightforward game. They're not going to give you a lot of room out there. Um, and they've been successful with it.
0: This is the type of game where a club that is in a rebuild gets out to a good start, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out what's happening here. That's where the analytics can, can really help you out as, as a coach or a staff in preparing for a game because you don't have a lot of tape, and the, what you do have from, from looking at uh, your, your pre-scout, uh, you're, you're wondering, is that a one-off? But if you can compile the first five games into some kind of data package, and that's where you get uh, shot volume, uh, shots off the, off the rush uh, allowed, and that kind of thing will, will really help uh, you formulate a game plan against what is one of the more unknown opponents that Vegas is going to play this year with so much turnover on this Philadelphia Flyer team from last year. And not just turnover, but those players that you talked about that didn't play a large role but are back in more prominent positions.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it, you're kind of going into this one blind a little bit, right? Like you you don't really have a ton of expectations as to what you think the Philadelphia Flyers are going to be. And as you mentioned yesterday, you know when we had that call from Mike, like the, the Philadelphia Flyers by the end of the season, they're they're not going to be thought of as a great team, but they are off to a great start. And I think that a lot of that probably has to do with john tortorella hammering in the details getting a team to play the right way understanding that that's how they're going to have to play in order to be competitive inside of the league and you know i think early on in the season where where things aren't as dialed as they're going to be two three months into the year um, that's why you see a, a team like philadelphia who's maybe a little bit more committed on that side of things coming away with more victories. So it'll be interesting to see how the Golden Knights and Philadelphia Flyers match up tonight because as far as details go, I think the Golden Knights are, are you know pretty well dialed in early on this year, and I think that they're going to be able to, to find ways to to, to to force Philadelphia into some mistakes in this game.
0: I don't know how to properly quantify it, <clears throat> but the Philadelphia Flyers have to work so much harder to record a victory than the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Just because of the talent differential between yeah. the two rosters. That's a and fair that, way to put it. That's just a, a, a an absolute fact. Yeah. So why why is Philadelphia off to a good start right now? Well, it, it's easy to pour it out of you and empty the tank every night right now, and you're, and you're seeing some payback from it. But as things go on and – things even out it's going to be really hard to have that level of sacrifice every night by all 18 skaters mm-hmm. uh from the philadelphia flyers and the things will will come back and will right itself so right now i uh, that's why early season you'll you'll get some teams that are not expected to be great and will will get through it and and have some success grab your attention to people go oh what's happening here they're great overreactions
1: <laughs> and we'll get into that a
0: little bit in, in one-timers. That, this is, like, don't buy into the great overreaction with the Philadelphia Flyers. They will come back to normal. But I'm happy for that group. I am happy for Torts, I'm happy for Keith Jones that they're having some success because it knocks off one month of misery uh through the course of a rebuild season and that's that's the simple reality of it if you can if you can fit in a couple of good moments uh through the course of the month when you know it's going to be a challenge then then good on you uh the Vegas Golden Knights are unbeaten so far our chance to go to 7 and 0 tonight and should they win against Chicago mm-hmm. and Los Angeles and Montreal, mm-hmm. you will see an opportunity at uh, at a record next Thursday night for best start in the National Hockey League uh, to kick off a season. They will be 10-0. and That equals the mark, and next Thursday they will have an opportunity to break that number uh, and that tie with a couple other franchises, and you can be there if you are the seventh caller right now. We have two tickets to give away right now, two more later on in the show, 702-876-1340. Uh, If you are the seventh caller, uh, that's a uh, nod to Bill Barber way back in the day and Alex Petrangelo uh, today with the Vegas Golden Knights, tying in the two teams uh, tonight. Uh, We will send you to the Vegas Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets next Thursday. We have one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League next on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
2: Carlson left corner, centered, one timer score! It's time for One-Timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery.
0: 16 Gamer, max note in the National Hockey League on this night, uh, so we're, we'll go through it. Uh, let's, there's no better time for the out-of-town scoreboard. You're going you're gonna to start the out-of-town scoreboard tonight, Ryan, in the first intermission, and yeah. you'll, you'll end somewhere three minutes into the third. Okay.
3: Yeah, that's, that's very true. That's, that's very true. That's
0: the way it's, it's setting up tonight. I, <laughs> it's only happened a couple of times, and we are all in. But this is uh, really buying into it. Uh, it's an ESPN night, and they're popping into all the different games and, and having some fun with it and uh, really making it a show, not just where it happens to be, 16 games, and we treat it like, uh, like uh, another Tuesday. Uh, Toronto beats Washington 4-1 tonight. Toronto, uh, four wins in the first six games. That's uh, impressive. For Washington, that's another loss, and it's another loss uh, at home. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin did score his first goal of the season. Positive there. Mm -hmm. What does Spencer Carberry want more? Wins or a breakout game from Alexander Ovechkin? What do you think puts more pressure on him?
3: No, I, I think he wants wins. Like I, I don't. I mean, listen. I, probably a breakout game from Ovechkin is is right up there too. But like, you know, at some point, you're hoping as as a new coach, you're hoping for the wins to come. And, and as as instrumental as Alex Ovechkin is inside of that organization, I, I still think wins matter. So I, if I'm Spencer Carberry, I'm, I'm hoping for wins.
0: I'm taking the goals because it <laughs> it lights the load. It, it no it it sort of releases all the pressure. Like, Ovi's back, that's good, mm-hmm. yeah. and then they can focus on everything else. But being able to to have Ovi going again, and, and he didn't score his first three games last year. I yeah. uh, did some research into this for the pot, uh, and he ended up with 42. So he's been through slow starts. He could have scored a second one tonight uh, with uh, a penalty shot uh, that was stopped by Joseph Wall, and he also had a goal that was called back because he was in the crease, did a header right into the crease and prevented <laughs> Wall from, from scoring. So I think there's some some signs here, mm-hmm. but the in, you don't want to be the coach that's perceived to stifle the all-time best goal scorer. And that's why I'm going goals, oh, releases the pressure, and then let the wins come.
3: Listen, I, I don't think it's the coach that's stifling Alex Ovechkin. I think if anything is going to stifle Ovechkin... It's father time. Come Uh,
0: on. What is uh, perception and what is reality? Because (laughs) a lot of times people only care about the perception. So uh, you you may be right on that, Uh but it doesn't make it right on the street corner. Buffalo, (laughs) a second final has already come through. The Sabres beat the Senators 6-4 in a game between the two of the three (laughs) hopefuls this season. Throw Detroit in that mix. Uh, as uh, three teams that are really positive about taking that next step and qualifying for the Stanley Cup playoffs, this is a big win for Buffalo. They oh, wow. they were not off to the greatest start, and the Senators were above 500. Detroit's rolling, and it it almost felt like that old Buffalo curse of finally there's expectations and you were going to be disappointed. Yeah, but but getting a. Uh, a win to climb within a game of 500 and doing against Ottawa, where you know that there's a lot of uh, eyes about where these two programs are coming from, that, that was a significant victory uh, for the Buffalo Sabres.
3: Yeah. And you know, the Sabres did everything they absolutely could to kind of throw the game away. They were up five, one going into the third period and you have three goals in about three and a half minutes from the, from the uh, Ottawa Senators to make it a five, four game before Casey Middlestad ices it with a, with a shorthanded goal, but the the fact of the matter is, like, you know, the Buffalo Sabers, they're going to take the win, but boy, oh, boy, do they have to be better closing things out.
0: But that that's Buffalo from last year too. Yeah, so true. They, they score a bunch of goals. They're they're still very much learning that side of the game, and you can't just flip a switch and be much better at it. So they're gonna have they're gonna have games like this, where they're going to have to win high scoring games, and and I I, I quite honestly i Am all favor for it because that's that's a fun team uh, to watch. <laughs> uh, the uh, New Jersey Devils have a firm hold on a game against the Montreal Canadiens. A game in which the NHL's top point producer Jack Hughes continues to rack it up. That's a three point night for for Jack Hughes so far. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's got uh, three helpers and this. I don't know how long this will go. I talked <laughs> about the. He, he's also on the pod this week. And we, we talk everything from shoes, like sneakers with suits, because yeah. I love that uh, yeah. angle, and he gives me some advice on that, to different uh, different things they did during the summer. Nobody enjoys their life, their own individual life. <laughs> I'm not talking about, uh, I, want, I want to be somebody else, like that would be cool. Sure. Uh, like Jack Hughes doesn't want to be anybody else in this world. He is so comfortable in his own skin, and... He he could be a guy. Like you see injuries with Connor McDavid. Uh, where where does it go with the uh, maturity of that New Jersey Devils team mm-hmm. and getting better every every year? I wouldn't put it out of the possibility that Jack Hughes is a top five point producer this year and takes a run at the Hart Trophy.
3: Um. I'm, I'm right there with you. And it's it may be early season overreaction and, and just looking at what Jack's been able to do as he's now got 13 points in five games. 13 points in five games, I repeat for Jack Hughes. But, you know, the simple fact is I don't think he's going to slow down. Um, you, you saw a massive jump in his game last season. And I think, you know, scoring 99 points, it, it just whets the appetite to smash that, that once again. So uh, to me... I'm with you. I'm on board. I think Jack Hughes is going to have a monster year, and we're going to be talking about him as a, as a bona fide superstar in this league in, in a similar way that we you know we talk about the superstars of the league.
0: Yeah, Alex DeBrincat went into tonight leading the National Hockey League point race. Yeah, he's not going to be there by the end. Like he and Dylan Larkin do have some chemistry, and it's it's fun to watch right now. Sure, that pace isn't going to be maintained. The the Detroit Red Wings, uh, Lalonde admits it himself. Like that, they put up so many goals, like they're putting up historic numbers in Detroit right now. Yeah, we're and we're talking Ted Lindsay, Gordy Howe. We're talking. Uh, Steve Eisenman uh, and and what that group uh, went through with uh, with all of their superstars and there's too many to, to mention beyond just what uh, when you talk about offensive superstars uh, with with, uh, with that era of the Detroit Red Wings they're putting up numbers that are better than that dynasty mm-hmm. it's unmaintainable so that it's not a shot don't think that I'm, I'm saying that uh, Dylan Larkin or uh, Alex de not are incapable but I think Jack Hughes, there's a, an ability to maintain what mm-hmm. we're seeing out of the New Jersey Devils, and the coach like gives them some rope, and and that's that's important too uh, when you're a free free wheeler like, like Jack. <laughs> I, I challenge you. Go listen to when it when it drops. I'll, I'll tell you when it drops. Okay. When, go listen to it, and and this is one where Chapman will will just be sitting there with a smile ear to ear. Yeah, when he listens to Jack, who's uh, a, a guy that lo- loves his Michigan, grew up a bit in Toronto. His, his dad's a, a coach, and he's just just a free, beautiful, wonderful spirit, and is so just at home and loves his brother Luke Hughes too, doing a great job. Yeah. with the with the New Jersey Devils. Other partials for you: uh, the Dallas Stars on the road beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. Overreaction time for Pittsburgh, it uh, the it's not bad. But it just feels like they're not getting any traction out of this year. And Dallas, the only point that they haven't gained was an overtime loss against the Vegas Golden Knights if they can hold on to this game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is about halfway to go to the third.
3: Yeah, the only prediction I'll make here is that uh, (laughs) in about 12 and a half minutes, the Dallas Stars and Pittsburgh Penguins will be going to overtime. That's all I got.
0: Yeah, good point. Uh, Rasmus Anderson has had his suspension upheld. He appealed to Gary Bettman, and why uh, why went to Gary Bettman? There's two. It's a four game suspension. So Rasmus mm. Anderson for the hit on Patrick Lyon last week, uh, suspended uh, those four games. It was a, a really vicious hit at the end of the game. There's no reason for it. Yeah. They're, luck- they're lucky it didn't end up in a full on bench clearing brawl. Yeah. Quite honestly, yeah. uh, but uh, so Anderson's going to miss the outdoor game. Uh, Connor McDavid sounds like he's going to miss the outdoor game as well. Uh, and uh, and if they try and rush Connor McDavid back, shame on them. Because one thing you don't do with outdoor games, with the ice and the conditions, is put people who are uh, battling injury in in that situation. So I don't think he's coming back at all. But uh, Anderson appealed. His suspension because he was hoping to get a game knocked off so he could play in the outdoor game. Yeah. Uh, if it's six games or more, it goes to an independent arbitrator. Uh, if it's under six games, it goes to the commissioner, of uh, the uh, Gary Bettman, and Gary's not going to go against player safety very often. No, so that's uh, no surprise in that being upheld. Uh, those here are one timers, here. news and notes uh, around the National Hockey League on a 16 game night on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Catching up with Chapman's next. Light him up. Phone 702-876-1340. couple of tickets for the Winnipeg Jets against the Vegas Golden Knights next Thursday. Could be a big night historically for Vegas. Uh, Talked about that earlier. Be caller number four. Right now, chat with uh, Chris Chapman. Then we'll get into catching up with Chapman in just a little bit as uh, Chris will will join us. But uh, be caller number 4, 702-876-1340. And uh, you will go to the Golden Knights' 11th game of the season next Thursday at Team Mobile. Uh, I want to tell you about a couple of other games that uh, are underway of interest. Two teams outside of Vegas are undefeated. Perfect to start. Avalanche looking for their sixth victory they're on the road against the New York Islanders and that's a one goal lead for the Avalanche after two periods so things uh, looking good for the Avalanche to keep things going and the other undefeated team are the Boston Bruins which I think is a uh, big uh, one of the early season surprises uh, if this is a team that uh, is falling off they're they're really uh, giving you a pause to uh, go all in on that. The Bruins and the Blackhawks, with Boston looking for its sixth victory in six games, are goalless in the second period of that one so uh, Boston had a scare the other night against the Anaheim Ducks where it was 0-0 going into the third and they were able to pull that one out Uh, they are finishing up a road trip against Connor Bedard and company tonight against the Blackhawks who have had just an amazingly difficult schedule to start this season they were on the road for the first five home for six and seven and then they go on the road Uh, they are at uh, T-Mobile Arena on Friday and uh, one other one uh, Oilers and uh, they only have one victory so far in five games they're in Minnesota and it's 2-2 in the uh, in the first period end of the first period there no Connor McDavid for the Edmonton Oilers Chapman how are things
2: they are good how are things with you well
0: uh, I- I've been feeling as you talk to <laughs> I know I know the, to our winner Chris. Phone, our Chris. Chris. Okay, good. It's his
2: birthday, so he won tickets on his birthday, so that's pretty cool. But oh,
0: Happy birthday. What's happening on Chapman's uh, So,
2: tonight, Philadelphia Flyers. It was actually the team my wife when she went to her first NHL game. She saw the Golden Knights and the Philadelphia Flyers. Nothing really interesting happened that night other than John Merrill playing forward for the Golden Knights and scoring a goal.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so, I always think of that moment when, when the Golden Knights play the Flyers, and my cousin back home, Brandon, he is a Big, big Philadelphia Flyers fan. I texted him and asked him if he was staying up to watch the game tonight. He said, absolutely not. So I don't understand why. I mean, it's cool that the NHL is doing this, but I kind of feel like.
0: Well, somebody has to play the last game. Well,
2: yeah, but maybe they could do it a little bit better so that maybe the Golden Knights are playing a team in the Western Conference time zone or Western time zone or Pacific time zone. So the fans point. on the East Coast aren't getting screwed.
0: I mean, I, I don't really don't care about the fans on the East I, Coast. Well, though, I, when I, it comes to this radio show, I
2: do. I do because I'm am I'm the man of the people. I'm I'm the voice of the fans. All the fans.
0: You're just trying to suck up to people. That's all you're doing. To that. I don't need
2: to suck up to my cousin. He yeah, sucks up to me. From what heard
0: about your family, oh there's a, there's no, no, some, no. He sucks some up to me. Challenges
2: going on in that group. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He he How knows old who. The were boss you is. When you
0: realized the Flyers logo was a P, a flying P
2: today i was today years old when i found that out really yes and i I have no idea what they're named after
0: i love you sometimes (laughs) i mean there's the the
2: dayton flyers but i don't know what they're well they make sense because dayton home of the wright brothers i'd love
0: to educate you further but we're out of time ryan wallace is up next